Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, greetings here from sheltered in place. Tom Hartman here in my home in Portland, Oregon, keeping you up to date on, you know, things that are going on here. Vice President Mike Pence, head of the Coronavirus Task Force, went on Sean Hannity's show to spin lies and attempt to whitewash the coronavirus failure for which he and Trump are responsible. Before I read Pence's quote, let me just share with you what's actually going on. This from a news story. Christy Kalick has worked in the past decade in the emergency department at Detroit's Sinai Grace. She never expected anything like this. She said, we've run out of stretchers. We've run out of body bags. Patients end up in the emergency department hallways using oxygen tanks. One night they even ran out of oxygen tanks. So the staff ran oxygen tubing from patients' room to people in the hallways. She said, we've never had patients like this who crash so fast out of nowhere. One minute they're smiling, the next minute they're down. She said, even when you put them on ventilators, you have to sedate them. You have to induce a coma, basically, before you can put a person on a ventilator because you've got to shove a tube all the way down into their lungs. She says, so you have to put them on multiple drips, which brings down their blood pressure, and then you have to monitor that, and they're still waking up and having things happen out of nowhere. She said she can't take breaks. She's got a colleague who is a fellow nurse who is now on a ventilator, struggling for his life. She said we need to do something drastic to get attention. Now, this is just in Detroit. Three Michigan healthcare workers have died from coronavirus. 1,500 people at the Beaumont Health Hospital in Metro Detroit. 1,500 are out sick with COVID symptoms, including 500 nurses. Henry Ford System says 700 of their workers have tested positive. University of Michigan, 728 of their healthcare workers have tested positive. Two thirds of all the people who have tested positive in Bay County are healthcare workers. This is what's actually going on. And it's all because for two and a half, three months, Donald Trump lied to the American people. Mike Pence lied to the American people, said, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. We don't need to be ordering personal protective equipment. In fact, we can ship it overseas. We were shipping this stuff overseas right up until last week. We don't need extra ventilators. We don't need to get ready for anything because there's not going to be anything. One day, it's just like a miracle. It's going to vanish. So this is what Mike Pence, this lying former right-wing talk show host from Indiana, had to say to uh, Sean Hannity last night. He, Trump, has directed us to spare no expense to make sure uh, 
that we have the broadest amount of testing available, and new testing developed, and most importantly, our healthcare workers in America have the resources, the protective equipment, and the ventilators to be able to provide the level of care to people struggling with the coronavirus. You know, I don't even have a word for how disgusting lies are about life and death. And lies like the lies that were told over and over and over again by Trump and on Trump TV over at Fox so-called news by these scumbags who go on the Well, they were doing it last night, minimizing. Oh, yeah, no, this is you know, we're going to be back to normal any day. Now, it's just a terrible flu. You know, this is just obscene. Meanwhile, uh, Vice President Pence's office is trying to strong arm CNN into carrying dear leaders entire two and three hour rants every night. If this is starting to remind you of Hugo Chavez, maybe that's, you know, a good recollection. Now, Hugo Chavez was famous for doing, you know, these long rants on TV and every day coming on during primetime and stuff and just ranting about stuff for an hour or two. There is a a really distinct difference between Trump and Chavez. Uh, Chavez was ranting about how we have to help poor people. We have to get food to people. We have to get medical services to people. He was highlighting the issues in the favelas, the, the, the slums of Venezuela. Trump, of course, is highlighting how the banksters need more money and, uh, you know, his rich buddies and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, of course, Trump is talking about how he wants to open his hotels back up and his golf courses. He's starting to get frantic. I don't know if Deutsche Bank has come through with the loan extensions for him or not. The guy is not rich at all. He's deeply in debt, probably several billion dollars in debt, certainly one billion dollars, much of it to Deutsche Bank, a lot of it probably to other oligarchs around the world. So Donald Trump is trying to do his Hugo Chavez imitation, but it's a poor man's imitation because he's no Hugo Chavez. You know, he's no champion of the people. But he's trying to try to do this every night. And CNN, sickened by the lies and distortions and naked campaigning, like last night when Trump went on and after the Democratic governor, uh, Jared Paulus of Colorado, had begged the federal administration, the Trump administration, for uh, ventilators, then Cory Gardner, who's probably the most endangered Republican in the Senate, Cory Gardner uh, the guy who, who lied about his support for the heartbeat bill back, uh, you know, six years ago to get himself reelected. And Mara Liasson went along with those lies on NPR, which just made me crazy. But in any case, Cory Gardner called the White House. And so last night, Trump goes, oh, and, uh, you know, I got a call from Cory Gardner. You know, he's one of the really great guys. Blah, 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 Cory Gardner, this Cory Gardner, that, you know, he's trying to help out a Republican. And he says, and we're going to get 100 ventilators to Colorado right away. You've got a couple of members of Congress who are just rip-roaring PO'd about this, that, you know, that this is the case. But anyhow, Pence is saying, which is where I started this whole rant, Pence is saying to CNN, you may not have Anthony Fauci anymore. And you may not have Deborah Burks anymore, the head of the CDC and the head of HHS. You may not have these people anymore because you don't carry the entire presidential Hugo Chavez monologue you know, intending no disrespect to Hugo Chavez. And, I mean, this is just wrong. And perhaps criminal. Certainly politically criminal. You know, if it's not legally criminal. By the way, the uh, member of Congress who's really bent out of shape about Cory Gardner getting all those strokes last night 
and getting the ventilators when the Democrats have been begging for them is Representative Diane DeJet, who is a Democrat of Colorado. And she went on CNN last night and said, this is what's going on. So meanwhile, Jerry Falwell has his own show. Did you know that? Jerry Falwell has his own show, right? I don't know if his pool boy is in the show. You know, this pool boy that uh, he and his wife met when they were on vacation down in Florida and he ended up giving him a million dollars and flying him all around the world, just the two of them together. And the pool boy, I think one of the things he bought was a gay nightclub. But Jerry Falwell Jr. on his show last night said, we have arrest warrants out against a couple of reporters. Specifically, that was from ProPublica, Alec McGillis, the reporter and the New York Times photographer, Julia Rendleman. And it sounded really ominous, you know, and Fox, you know, oh my God, you know, arrest warrants for reporters. Well, it turns out no judge signed them, no clerk signed them. They weren't submitted to the court. He's got an eight-man police force at Liberty University. And he filled out a page, a piece of paper, and said, this is an arrest warrant for these people. You arrest them if they show up, and it's totally not legal. It's bizarre. I mean, the world is just getting weird as we watch this. Zach Corrigan is on the line with us. Zach is the senior attorney with Food and Water Watch. Food and A-N-D, waterwatch.org is the website, of course. And you can tweet him at Corrigan Zach or Food and Water. Uh, Zach, welcome back to the program, or welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to talk about diseases that jump from animals to humans, given that the coronavirus that is ravaging the world right now killed over 13,000 Americans so far because of Donald Trump's failure to do anything in the first two or three months. It apparently started with bats and maybe pangolins, these little anteater kind of animals in China. And, you know, we've seen other of these diseases and also, uh, help me with my pronunciation. This is one of those words that I don't think I've ever heard. I've always just read. I always pronounced it in my head, zoonotic. But somebody called yesterday and said it's zoonotic. Tell me about these diseases. I'm not sure if I can help the pronunciation debates. I think it might be tomato, tomato. But okay. I can tell you a little bit about zoonotic diseases. That's how I pronounce it. I think that okay. most Americans before this COVID-19 outbreak would have never heard of zoonotic diseases or would not be concerned about them. But in reality, quite simply, they're just diseases that pass between humans and animals. And it's pretty shocking, I think, for most folks to find out that according to the CDC, six out of 10 known infectious diseases can be spread from animals and 75% of new or emerging infectious diseases in people come from animals. Tens of thousands of Americans get sick every year from zoonotic diseases. So they're a really serious problem. Obviously, the current pandemic sheds a, a whole new light on this, but people should be concerned about zoonotic conditions and zoonotic diseases um, all of the time, not just during times like this. Now, do those numbers you just quoted include things like E. coli and listeria infections that are specific to the GI tract, or are those all more systemic diseases like tuberculosis and I believe gonorrhea also started out in animals? Or maybe it was yeah, syphilis. It would, it would include both. And we're concerned about 
those sorts of diseases that you get foodborne. You know, I think people oftentimes make light of problems like foodborne illnesses, saying they have a stomach bug. But it, it can be quite serious. It can put people out of work for days at a time and can result in hospitalization and death. And that's from things like salmonella or E. coli. But it also includes more serious, like influenza. And a lot of people are now finding out about the 1918 influenza outbreak. But few people actually know that during that outbreak, there was an outbreak with swine as well. Well, Um, that outbreak began in Kansas with a pig farm, didn't it? I mean, didn't it come from pigs and go into humans in Kansas? That's right. And, And vice versa. As late as of 2009, there was an outbreak. People may remember the H1N1 virus. And that was quite sure where it originated, but it came from a mixture of swine, avian, and human lineages of the influenza virus that ended up killing 125 people in 69 countries. So uh, what do we do with this information, Zach? I mean, we've known for, uh, I I assume, centuries that some diseases come from animals and humans catch them and, and then they become transmissible person to person. Clearly, the so-called wet markets where wild animals are sold for food, and this is not unique to China or Southeast Asia. I've seen these markets in Africa as well as Asia. I've seen something close to them in South America. They seem to be more uh, markets of poverty, basically. People are, are resorting to eating, well, I mean, there's parts of America where they hunt possum and squirrel and, and uh, even, you know, some people will uh, even eat roadkill. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, if it's a matter of survival, people will eat whatever's available to them. How does this inform us with regard to these things? First of all, with regard to wild animals, and then secondly, with regard to domesticated animals that we're using for food. Yeah, well, certainly. And I, I think that there is going to be a movement. We've already seen a movement in China to limit these wet markets and limit the contact between people and animals. But I I also think there needs to be a transition for folks to realize that this is not something that's just happening elsewhere. This is not just a China problem. This is a problem that happens with our domestic animals, too. And while we are concerned, and obviously so, about the current pandemic, we are currently, Food and Water Watch is working to fight against this administration's current rollbacks of protections that would prevent the spread of disease from animals to swine. For example? Under the new rules finalized just this year, it is now the employees of slaughter plants who are chiefly responsible for identifying diseases in animals prior to and instead of federal inspectors. And this means Mm. that under or untrained employees will be the gatekeepers ensuring that there aren't diseased animals entering the food supplies or just sent to a different farm or sent to a different slaughterhouse where the disease can be spread. And that's very troubling. About a decade ago, or maybe longer, there was a lot of concern about folded proteins, these, uh, you know, these proteins that cause mad cow disease, uh, jumping from cattle to humans, and that that may play a role in the explosion of dementia and what's, what's diagnosed as Alzheimer's in America. What's the status of all that? 
research is still being done on how these prions work and how they affect human health. I think this is more research needs to be done. But if there's anything that we have learned from this pandemic, it's that we should be working with extreme precaution. We should be trying to minimize humans' exposure to animals that are potentially diseased. And we shouldn't be limiting or relaxing such rules. And we shouldn't be laying off government inspectors and replacing them with corporations managing their own. This is just incredible stuff. This and, is the wrong and, time um, to allow pork companies to self-police their hog supply for diseases, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see uh, oh, what's the disease from, from pork that uh, used to be so problematic, some of these resurgences. Zach Corrigan with Food and Water Watch, foodandwaterwatch.org is the website. Zach is the senior attorney there. Zach, thanks so much for dropping by today. Great talking to you. Thanks so much, Tom. My pleasure. Great having you with us. Tom Harvin here with you and Sandy in Athens, Ohio. Sandy, what's on your mind today? What I'd really like to talk about is this hydrochloroquine that they are going to try out 3,000 cases in a Detroit hospital. And then also I have read that there is a genetic recessive trait that's carried in males, mostly at black males and males of Mediterranean heritage that makes the uh, hydrochloroquine uh, potentially lethal to those people. And uh, uh, I don't know if you know anything about that. This is the people who get heart attacks from it? Heart attacks and also septicemia. You know, I don't know the specifics about that genetic trait, but I have seen it referenced in news articles. It's, uh, I think it's really a shame that Donald Trump has inserted himself into science. The guy is not a scientist. He doesn't know anything about science. He's a science denier. He denies climate change. It's obscene, and it's equally obscene, Sandy, and thank you for the call. It's equally obscene that the networks are carrying two, three hours of him every afternoon. I am so sick of this. I have to leave the room when he comes on. I have reached the point now where when I hear this man's voice, I get physically ill. I tighten up. This is the man who's responsible for the death of over 13,000 of my fellow Americans because he lied, because he tried to hustle us, and now he's trying to say, oh, but don't worry, it's not so bad. There's a cure. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's beyond obscene. I don't know how to say it beyond that. Carol in Manesson, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind? My husband and I just heard something. I, this isn't exactly why I called, but it's interesting. We were listening to PBS out of Pittsburgh. And they were saying that there was a reporter who was working on these things like the Ebola outbreak and all these other outbreaks, and he predicted mm-hmm. that in, in he predicted in in 2018 that we would have a, a coronavirus outbreak in the United States in 2020, and the only thing he got wrong was he said that it would originate in Chicago. I found that very interesting. Yeah, Bill Gates predicted this in 2015. But the more alarming thing is that the reports that we're seeing in the news now are that the spy agencies literally using satellite photographs of what was going on in in Wuhan and using spies that they had on the ground in Wuhan were reporting in November 
that there was a an outbreak of something that looked like SARS going on in Wuhan, reporting this to the Defense Department, reporting this to the executive office. Now, whether Trump saw these reports or not is still up in the air, but the Pentagon certainly saw these reports. And if he was told about it and he ignored it and he lied to us for months, then this man is complicit, explicitly complicit in the deaths of 13,000 Americans and many more to come. And if he didn't know about it, then his incompetence makes him complicit. So I'm, I'm with you, Carol. I'm horrified by this. David in Los Angeles. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? I've been listening to these numbers about the, the numbers as it relates to blacks dying and being infected by this virus, which is extremely alarming throughout the nation. Right now, yes. after hearing those numbers, I called um, Clyburn, who endorsed Biden and allowed him to catapult from South Carolina, and hence now he's a, a you know presidential candidate. Not, and I cut yeah. I cut him a new butthole because it's like what Bernie was suggesting. Now we talk about the ACA. A brother called in concerned about, and you rightfully mm-hmm. pointed out that Trump can't even go back to throwing people off of the health care road after this madness is over with. But the reason I went off on Clyburn is like, what's going on in the black community in relationship to those crumbs to which that first trot of bailouts were about, now that they got to go back now, right? Mm-hmm. None of this was taken into consideration. Nor, and I called in um, before, Tom, and I the congressman was on, and I asked him how soon will this money be dispersed. Now, I have been talking to a lot of my friends and and whatnot and colleagues in reference to different aspects of this payout. And one of the guys called in who's on Social Security, right? And he hasn't filed that because he's retired for years. He don't know how he's going to get paid. So He's now probably when he, going to get paid through the Social Security. That, that They will use that as the way of knowing who he is, where he is, and how much money he makes. Yeah, but that's, that's the probability. But the vehicle by which this thing should be ironed out and, and already uh, organized to make this possible, we're still dealing in probabilities. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So, right, because um, it's up to the Trump administration to administer this, and we can't trust them to be competent at anything they do. But we need to, as Democrats are the so-called progressives, if you will, when you're having a boxing camp, you have to have somebody in there to spire with that is up to snuff to, you you know, to bringing you up. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if we just go in there and we pretend as though we have did our due diligence further is getting prepped for this, what we're going to get is what we got the last time. And that Mm -hmm. is. You're going to get $500 billion for those who are not inquiring as to how they're going to get their money. But the people are out here inquiring about theirs and the vehicle by which it's going to be um, sundown and when. We don't know that out here. Those yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, David. And I'm sorry, we're out of time. But yeah, you know, calling Clyburn is a great start. I mean, all we can do is hold people accountable and keep, keep bringing up these issues and and make sure that everybody you know is not just registered to vote, but is on the list to get an absentee ballot now.
Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the second district of the state of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman, I listened to uh, Bernie Sanders bowing out of the race, but not out of the struggle, talking about how the movement continues, chronicling some of his progress and whatnot. Your thoughts on this? I know that you've been very involved with his campaign. Yeah, I think all along what's been so unique about the campaign is this has never been about an individual. It's not just about Bernie Sanders, although certainly Bernie has for decades been at the forefront of many progressive issues. But it really was about building a movement. That's what happened. And when you think of what he ran four years ago, the issues we talk about today are the issues that Bernie raised four years ago. Medicare for all, dealing with climate change, having the end to the endless wars, dealing with working people in a way that respects working people and not just the corporations and the owners. And I think he accomplished that again this year. But what an election cycle to have to try to run for president in. And the movement exists because of Bernie. We have this great number of people across the country willing and ready to fight for progressive values. And, you know, everything that Bernie said about Medicare for all that years ago no one seemed to listen to now, everyone realizes if we would have had a system in place like that now, how different the health care delivery would be than what we're struggling through right now. So I think a big thank you to Bernie Sanders, a second thank you to everyone who supported Bernie and the movement. And then just a reminder that this movement is still very much alive. The candidacy may be over. In fact, it was over before Wisconsin. We didn't really have anything happening, you know, for the Wisconsin campaign. And we kind of, I think this was foreshadowed a little bit by that. But the movement is still very vibrant, very much alive, and very much in the hearts and souls of all the members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and so many others and the organizations that fight for progressive issues. So while I'm a little bit melancholy uh, that the campaign did have to end in a way it did because of what's all happened with COVID-19, etc., I am still heartened that Bernie put that much time and effort to get this movement to be where it's at. Yeah, he did a spectacular job. And I think the upshot, you know, you always look for a a little ray of sunshine amongst the darkest clouds. One of the things that may well come out of this pandemic is that it has exposed the lie, the neoliberal lie, the spell that America fell under in 1981 with Ronald Reagan being inaugurated, that somehow government can't be a force for good, that government is merely an impediment, that government gets in the way, that government is is clumsy and inefficient, and that private charity and uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps should be the only way that America goes forward. I think that BS narrative that uh, both Democrats and Republicans have bought into for the past 40 years has been shattered here. No question. I mean, I think people are not so much concerned about their stock portfolio right now, uh, but very much concerned about the imminent health of their family and their friends. And it's not just like getting sick, it's getting sick and potentially dying. And what happens when you don't have a government infrastructure, our shared tax dollars working for us, all of us, why that can fall apart? And it's in many ways, falling apart under Donald Trump. And we can now see governors that are doing it better versus governors that aren't doing it better. And the case has really been made, I think, as you said, for government can do good. I think it also really made the case for why healthcare is a universal healthcare in every industrialized country but the United States, why that 
is something we need to, to get closer to, if not actually get to in the United States. And I think there are other silver linings out of all this. Although I have to be honest, Tom, after that Wisconsin election, I think we learned a lot of other lessons as well. Well, I think in two weeks, you're going to start seeing a number of Wisconsinites showing up in the hospital. In three weeks, you're going to see those people going on ventilators. And in about four weeks, you're going to see a spike in deaths in Wisconsin. And I lay those right at the feet of Robin Voss and these other fools in the Wisconsin legislature and the conservative members of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court. What happened was criminal. Yeah, you you just identified the culprits, the legislative leadership that decided it was more important to try to sneak through an election than protect the public in Wisconsin with an election. It was the courts. We had a decision on Friday that had some expanded ways to do absentee ballots, then reversed some of that aspects on Saturday. Uh, Special session the governor called on Saturday. The legislature didn't show up, closed out on Sunday. So the governor decided to cancel the election on his own on Monday, which the state Supreme Court overruled. And then the U.S. Supreme Court that night changed even some of the earlier rules around absentee ballots. I mean, this was this makes the Iowa caucuses look like the most well-run, smooth elections you've ever seen. And then throw on top yeah. of it, in the city of Milwaukee, there were five polling places for the entire city of Milwaukee, the largest city in Wisconsin. In Waukesha, just outside Milwaukee, which is still about, I think, eighty to 100,000 people, one polling place. And we had to have National Guard work at the polling places because we couldn't get poll workers. And people waited in line in Milwaukee up to an hour and 40 minutes towards the end of the day in pouring rain. This is what you get when people decide that getting their people elected rather than allowing democracy to happen. And it's the poster child, Tom, right now nationally, why we have to all be fighting for vote by mail for the November election. We don't know what's going to happen by November. There may be therapies in place. There may be nothing stopping the election. But right now, we have to prepare for it. And you prepare for it by doing what the state of Oregon does, which is vote by mail. We know it works. There's no reason not to. The president himself has voted by mail. We need to make sure every American has the same right that Donald Trump has. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, let's pick up some phone calls here. we got a minute and a half to sure. break. Michael in Howe, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocam. Thank you. Speaking of Wisconsin's election and voting by mail, you have a whole heap of us sitting at home watching your show or listening to your show. What can we do to get the ball rolling about keeping the post office open and voting by mail? You know, Michael, your question, question, I'm going to answer it specific, and I'm also going to raise it. This is the time more than ever to reach out to your elected officials. All of our offices, we may be operating from individual homes, but we still keep track of every contact that comes in. And right now, you need to say, if you're moving forward with other packages, uh, we absolutely have to make sure the post office is operating. They need the funding. This is ridiculous to try to privatize or do anything else during this time of a crisis. We need to make sure that even though It's not a constitutional right to vote. Everyone thinks it is, although I think, Tom, you and I have had that conversation. That's why I have a constitutional amendment to make it a right to vote. But certainly it's the next best thing to a right to vote, which means we have to have vote by mail so that every single person uh, can be heard in November. This is your time on any issue to contact your elected officials. Yeah, amen. And the number for Congress is 202-224-3121 or 225-3121. You can call, register your concerns, 
you know, we want vote by mail this fall and we want the post office to be strong with both your senators and your member of the House of Representatives. Jim in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, Jim, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Congressman, I voted in the primary for Bernie Sanders. Is my vote wasted? No, Jim, and especially as we could see there was an apparent winding down of the campaign. As you saw, we had really no campaign in Wisconsin. We had nothing really from coming from the national campaign. But it's to vote for all of those things we care about. So the vote for Bernie was a vote for Medicare for All and for a Green New Deal and for raising the minimum wage to $15 and to stopping endless wars and go down the list of things that we've all been fighting for. So no matter what, there's a message that's going to be sent in a must-win state like Wisconsin that if Bernie still gets a decent amount of votes, and I think on a poll that showed he got he was getting about 30 percent, we hope that Joe Biden will take up more of those issues because those are popular issues that will help us win in November. So absolutely not. Your vote wasn't wasted. Your efforts weren't wasted on behalf of Bernie. And now we just have to take that organization that Bernie's built and continue to use it to advocate for those very issues that brought us to the campaign to begin with. So, Jim, thanks for going out. I mean, you know, I had a hard time deciding how to tell people whether or not they should go vote and, and risk their health to do it. We were put in a terrible situation, but thank you for doing that, and your vote was not wasted. Morris in Long Beach, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, Congressman, do you believe that we can beat Donald Trump with Mr. Joe Biden, the helm of the ticket, and Kamala Harris as the vice president to nominee? Thank you. First part, yes, we can absolutely beat Donald Trump. We are now seeing, even among Trump supporters, 40% people think he's mishandled coronavirus up 17 points in just a week. And I think now he's continuing to drop because he has terribly mishandled this. And now people can see that it's not just about their stock portfolio. It's about their family's lives and health. So I absolutely feel we can beat him. Secondly, I think let's all think about the vice presidential pick because it's going to be someone who is going to be literally a heartbeat away from being the next president. I would argue we need a progressive person in there. I think we need a woman in there, my personal opinion. And I think we should be looking at people like Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin, for example, in a must-win state like Wisconsin. She won her last election by 11 points when the governor and other statewide officials won by one point, and she's a diehard progressive. We need to make sure that we've got someone in there who not only is very, very capable of doing the job, but represents those same progressive values that we know will help us get elected in November, because no offense to Joe Biden, but he's not a progressive. And we need to make sure that we're bringing in all the Bernie voters, bringing in all the people who care about these issues, and also have someone who's ready to lead. So we're going to beat Donald Trump, but let's get the best VP we can possibly get. Hey, we have a new video up over at TomHartman.com. I really enjoy doing these separate from what we're doing on the air because sometimes I can say things that I, you know, would be impolitic or inappropriate to say on the air. Like the name of the website that I'm talking about in this video, and I lay it out and share it with you on the video. It's uh, ratbleepingthecourts.com. And the bleeping, of course, is a word that you just can't say on the air that starts with F. This website is just outing these judges that Donald Trump and the Federalist Society have been sending through Mitch McConnell's Senate like a frigging assembly line. 
and how unqualified they are, how hateful they are, how aggressively they've worked to screw students, to deny. Well, one of them actually said that women who are on birth control pills, that should be reason to fire people. Right? I mean, this is, it's just insane. You can check it out over at TomHartman.com. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kimon in Dayton, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pokin. Yeah, I'd like to know 
why the Progressive Caucus is not saying and doing more about the administration's attack on Venezuela and other South American countries and their people for no good reason. Yeah, well, Kimon, first of all, many members are. But again, if the mainstream media doesn't say it, you may not know it. But on this and many issues, we were at the forefront of the entire War Powers Act uh, around Yemen, another place that not a lot of people pay attention to. So make sure you have your facts right. I think when you call, just take a look, you know, go to some of the members' web pages and, and go to our web page and you can see some of what we're actually putting out there. Follow us on Twitter. But we have been active right now, though, I'll be honest. of our efforts are probably on COVID-19 and the response because we have so very much to do. Randy in Madison, Wisconsin, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, good morning. I felt that I was taking part in making history, but unfortunately the history was setting a new benchmark for voter suppression. And as a Wisconsinite, Senator Pocan, I'm very concerned ever since 2010 that with the election of Scott Walker, that now we're a right to work state and we have a governor who can't uh, really do much of anything. I'm beginning to feel like we're Mississippi, we're uh, Alabama. So, your question, um, Randy? And- is why does Minnesota have immunity from this kind of uh, backward slide, and how do we stop it in Wisconsin? One, uh, what's really important is coming up across the country, but especially pertaining to Wisconsin, is redistricting. When we elect the next legislature during the next session, they'll be drawing the new lines. Now, the governor, our governor, Governor Evers, has tried to do a public commission to do this like Iowa and other places where it's very fair. I think we all have to get behind those efforts nationwide so that it's voters electing their elected officials, not the other way around. And as we saw, certain conservative judges and Republican legislators wanted to do it where they picked which voters were eligible and which voters would have to risk their life to go and vote. And we have to stand up against those folks. The good news is in the last election, you saw what happened. Tammy Baldwin won by 11 points in a purple state. All of our other statewide elected officials are now Democratic, and they won by one point. So we have the votes in Wisconsin, just like Minnesota has the Democratic votes. We have to be able to make sure that we're not so gerrymandered that, like two years ago, when 54% of the people voted for a Democrat for the state assembly, we only got 36% of the seats. That's the real problem we have. And I do think, um, also, Randy, people are going to have long memories on what the legislature and the Supreme Court did in Wisconsin. I saw pictures of the Republican speaker doing interviews saying how safe it was to go out and vote while he's wearing full garb, a mask, goggles, a full gown, a surgical gown. That was such a ridiculous photo. And I think I've seen so much chatter on that that I think they've really been exposed. And I think we have an absolute chance if we can control redistricting. Again, not control it to gerrymander on our behalf. But to have true, objective citizen panels, we have the voters with us on the issues, and then we can get back to normal in Wisconsin and a lot of other places across the country that are feeling the same pain. Tony in Perrin, Florida. we got about a minute and a half, Tony. Quick one for Congressman Pocan. On this last relief package that they signed in there for where the children are supposed to get $500 and the adults get the $1,200, on the form there it states that any 16 and under get the $500, and then it just sits there and says adults get the $1,200. What about the kids that are 17 years old? What are they classified as? 
Yeah, there's a gap, especially on college age uh, students who are still uh, dependent on their family tax forms, for example, and not represented by the way that was written. I think that's something that will likely be looked at during the, the next package that we're doing, because that's what the next package will be. It'll be a CARES 2. It'll be some of the fixes that we're seeing right now, for example, with the paycheck protection loans, you know, with the fact that money may run out, et cetera. So absolutely, uh, it is something that it, it was not done correctly, and that's what happens when you're trying to do something fast. I think right now there's been a lot of thought what's going into the next package, and hopefully these fixes will show up there. When do you expect that next package to come forward? End of April is what we're hearing. There may be a mini fix on the, the money for the loans because it's rolled out poorly, but Speaker Pelosi has indicated end of the month. Coming up in the science revolution is Mad King Trump deciding which states will live and which states will die. Associate Professor of Economics Pavlina Cherneva is here to talk about what would FDR do about COVID-19. The last Democratic governor of Alabama, Don Siegelman, drops by to talk about how prisons are handling the coronavirus and what they should do. In geeky science, attorney and regulatory policy advocate with public citizen Amit Narang is here asking why Trump is fighting clean car standards instead of the coronavirus. Check it all out wherever fine podcasts are available. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Karen in Cleveland, Ohio, you're on the air with Congress in Pokin. I'm still processing all this. To tell you the truth, I feel like this is blackmail via pandemic and what happened in Wisconsin as well. What do you say to us? I'm still waiting for my ballot in the mail. I feel so crumbled now as if my vote really doesn't count. Explain to me how Bernie, you know, supporters feel that this is like really worth it, you know, fighting against this corporatocracy that's overtaken our elections. Well, Karen, really, it's because we were winning on the issues. What we're losing on are some of the political inequalities that are already built in, things like gerrymandering in states like Wisconsin and other states where even when a majority of voters don't want something, they're able to get around that. But the next legislature in every single state that's elected will be doing redistricting, and that's our chance to have a more fair process and be in a much better position for the next 10 years. But on the issues, four years ago when Bernie talked about Medicare for All, very, very few people talked about it. This time, I think every candidate at one point talked about it until, in some cases, they thought it was politically expedient to slightly have a different viewpoint. But right now, we have seen the polling showing why people understand why a system like that would make sense. The fact that we absolutely have to deal with climate change, and if we can put all these efforts together to deal with something like COVID-19, there's certainly a way worldwide to do that around climate change. The fact that we need to make sure that we are stopping the endless wars to make sure that we're raising the minimum wage and helping working families get by. There are so many issues that people support us, usually 60 to 80 percent on. We just have to make sure we're able to do that in the actual legislative bodies. The way we do that is you vote, you get active, you support candidates, you work against the bad candidates. And I've been doing this for pretty close to 30 years. I've been in local, state, and federal government. When people are the most active and hopefully the most angry and speak out is when we're going to have the biggest impact and changes. And right now, I don't know why anyone 
wouldn't be as pissed as possible given where we are. We didn't have to be where we're at right now with COVID-19 if it wasn't for the fact that we had an incompetent president, someone who's more of a reality show star than an actual president of the United States. So, Karen, now more than ever, we need to be as active and active in very different ways. It might be volunteering and calling people from your home, texting people from your home, using social media. It's going to be a little different. But be ready to adapt to those changes. The good news is a lot of those conservative entities will throw money at it, but they don't have the people power. And we do. And that's why we're going to win at the end of the day. Congressman, very quickly, just clarify for me. My understanding is in the last election, more people voted for Democrats in the state of Wisconsin for the House and Senate than voted for Republicans. Yet you have a substantial majority of Republicans in the state House and Senate. Is that accurate? Yeah, so in 18, just to give you an example, 54% of people voted for a Democrat for the state assembly, and we got 36% of the seats for those 54% of votes. 2016, for Congress, because I was unopposed last time, it skews the numbers for 18, we had in 16, 100,000 more people voted for a Democrat for Congress, and we got three of the eight seats. That's what gerrymandering is. And that's what we have in other states. It's not just Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Back to our phone calls. David in Spotswood, New Jersey. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I voted for Hillary, you know, on Bernie's instruction. I still feel burned about car check with Obama. He promised to have car check, and then he didn't give it to us. I think I'm going to sit out this time. My question is, is about the economic injury loan. It covers payroll but it's not 250% payroll. Am I correct? And also, I wanted to just quickly comment, I'm talking to a lot of small business owners, and they're really not thrilled that their employees are getting the $600 federal stimulus. I'd like to know what the congressman is going to do to change attitudes and perceptions. First of all, I have been a small business owner since I was 23, so 32 years, and a small business in a union shop. So I understand it from a number of perspectives. Let me say this. I think we do need to do more for small businesses. I have even difficulties as I talk to some of my leadership and I see them ignoring some issues that I think are important because as a small business, when this is done, this immediate period of a month or two that's going to be really, really hard, you're not going to start back up at 100%, and we need to be recognized that. So I've been advocating for work share proposals within unemployment insurance, and I'm not getting as far as I'd like to get because I think it'll be important for small businesses to reopen. So we have to do more for small businesses. On the loan I think you're asking about, because there's a few different loans, but the one that everyone's talking about right now is the Paycheck Protection Loans. The amount you can get is based on two and a half times your salary, but it's based on two months of your employee's salary and then the rest of the money is to help a business offset their rent and utilities that they had to encumber during those two months. So that's why it's based a little bit higher so that you can actually use it to help your mortgage or rent, your utilities. But there are still other expenses that small businesses have. And that's why I think many of us are still trying to raise that awareness that more needs to happen for small business. And, and hopefully that answered your question. And by the way, sitting out this election is stupid. Let me add that to the caller who said he you know, was going to the election. <laughs> Tom, uh, thanks for saying that. I was trying to be a little more polite. No, on I'll, it, I'll just I call think... it. It's, it's just stupid no, sitting you. out this election. <laughs> Anybody who says that on the air is either a Republican troll or a fool. Jeff in San Francisco, you're on the air with Congressman Parker. <laughs> well, I understand that his frustration, though. 
with uh, sitting out, but I'm not going to. But could one of you congressmen stand up and say one little kernel of meat for us and say, I'm going to lead the student loan non-payment of this May or something like that? Say nobody pays their student loans in May. Could some congressman stand up and say, please don't pay that? So we could get one and a half trillion dollars to pay them off. Yeah, you know. Well, first of all, yeah. some of that's Got happening it. already, right? You don't have to. There's, they're not going to collect for, I believe, and I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize. If I give you the wrong number, but I think it's six months of no student loan collection and no interest gaining during that time period whatsoever. And we are also advocating, and many members of Congress are advocating for the cancellation of student debt during this time period. So, you know, I think it goes to probably the most perennial question I get, Tom, on your show and others are if they don't see it in the mainstream media and the, you know if you watch just the mainstream media you'd think there's 20 members of congress because that's the same people they report on and go to it didn't happen and in reality there is a lot of work on this and also the congressional progressive caucus center which is our 5013c think tank has got a major initiative around this as well so there is a lot of work around this there actually was relief in the last cares act so there is some good movement on that I think part of it is we have to make sure that people really know what's all in there because that way we do have more relief for people who need it available because, like I said, that is something that was included. Yeah. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. I know you had to run to that phone call. But I appreciate this town hall, and I look forward to next week. Thank you, Congressman. It's great talking with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Javon in Los Angeles. Hey, Javon, what's up? What's up, Professor? Good to hear from you. Blessings, blessings, blessings to you and yours, and I hope that your workers and your family and friends are staying safe during this time crisis. Yeah, man, I want to jump right into it, honestly. I'm sorry to hear about Kate. Blessings, Kate. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm, you hear about that all over the news that's happening right now. Families that come in, doctors that come in, and they can't touch and hug their kids because, you know, they have to shower and trash their clothes and all that and it's just a heartbreaking thing all around um so however we are still in an election year and um people have to remember that and part of this problem that we have in america is because of our administration um and we have to somehow come up with some strategies to keep people positive for voting somehow and um, knowing that mm-hmm. this is an election year and getting people somehow to take their mailing and ballot serious and and extensions take it serious, and and yeah. overall, yeah. just and, curious and about strategy. The plan that uh, Ron Wyden and Earl Blumenauer have put forward in in uh, the Senate and the House, respectively, to give millions of dollars, uh, half a billion, and and it may actually cost two billion, but to give a lot of money to the states so that they can print ballots, absentee ballots, and these 17 states where you've got to have a doctor's slip in order to get an absentee ballot, blow that out and just make <sighs> nationwide you know, voting by mail possible. We now have both the president and you know, Republican elected officials now um, have come out and said, if that happens, if everybody is allowed to vote by mail, there will be no Republicans left. And <laughs> which would be a really good outcome for the country. But, the idea, uh, they're right? Gonna, they're going to fight this. They're going to the mattresses, Javon. They're saying, no, no way. We're not going to let people vote. You know, they've never been in favor of people voting. Yeah, man. You know, it's, it's a sad thing to hear that we Americans, colonial elements, put down places like Venezuela that have it right. 
right, right. Yeah. So has it right. We put them down and we tell them, we shun them. And we are the most powerful country in the world and so on and so forth. And yet, and yet the democracy is on point. We sidetracked them with people like whoever that guy is. I can't think of his name for against Maduro, not who I'm not a fan of either. But you know, it's just it's just like this pathetic thing. And yet we don't have our voting processes to the trash. I'm being nice as much as possible on radio. Yeah. But um, but now I call today just to say, well, what are other strategies people can be doing that we should be thinking about and and keeping people? I think people need to be calling their if they live in one of those states that doesn't have really really easy vote by mail. They need to be calling their governors, they need to call their state representative, they need to call their state senator, and they need to be raising hell at the local level on this stuff. And then they need to be calling their their member of the House of Representatives and both of their senators. And and, uh, these are all red states. So they just, uh, plus New York State, which the legislature in New York State has been effectively run by the Republicans for a long, long time, because there's some Democrats who toss in with them. But people need to get on this, Javon. You, You raised a really, really important point. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. 
Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Kyle Hartman here with you. Boy, a lot on the table here, uh, a lot to talk about. A.B. in Lake Forest, Illinois. Hey, A.B., what's up? Well, we will continue to see the collapse of the whole financial system because the structure is totally corrupted with not accurate pricing model or inaccurate valuation of services and products. Not to mention artificial shortages, A.B., but caused by hospitals running on a just-in-time basis and you know, the loss of a half a million hospital beds out of the million and a half that we had when Reagan came into office. We're down to only a million nationwide now. And the shortage of doctors and nurses and physicians assistants caused by the American Medical Association, in the case of doctors, limiting the supply of American doctors to keep their wages high. Yeah, and there's a certain irony to this whole thing that something so small is going to collapse something so big. I'm with you. And and it's an issue that, you know, when the dust settles, I mean, there's a lot of reconciliation and reckoning that's going to happen when the dust settles. Can't come too soon for me. Uh, A.B., thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you. John in Westchester, New York. Hey, John, uh, your community is being slammed, is it not? It is, Tom. And thanks for uh, taking my call. Went back to work. I was out of work for a while. I went back to work in the beginning of March. And I was deemed an essential worker. I was working in the transit in New York City. So I wasn't feeling well, and I was deemed applicable for the uh, the testing, even though I wasn't any uh, medical person. I was a regular uh, essential worker. And within a week, I was mm-hmm. tested. And within four days, I received the results of the test, which ended up being negative. So not only healthcare workers are being uh, tested, and New York pretty much good. They're, they're doing a good job. I'm glad to hear that. You doing okay, John? Yeah, doing okay now. Sure. I know some of your colleagues in the uh, in the metro system in New York have fallen sick, and we have a friend whose uh, husband is a bus driver here in Portland. And, and, you know, these people are scared to death. There's no way you can keep people six feet away from you when you're a bus driver and they're walking right by you. So it's a tough one. John, thanks for the call, and thanks for the heads up on that. That's fascinating. Paul in Wells, Vermont. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? I have a thought that's been burning on me for over a week now, and that is that, for instance, you ask this question or you make this remark that, Gosh, I don't know why these networks are still covering Trump on an everyday lying binge. No, I do know why, because they, 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 A, they want to suck up to him, and B, they want, they want the ratings. It draws eyeballs. People can't look away from fistfights and car wrecks. My take is that it's because there's no other game in town, essentially. There's no, no alternative. Mm-hmm. So many of us, this represents a void of leadership. My point is that Joe Biden needs to step in and become the president now. He needs to put on the shoes, and he needs to get out there and get coverage every day. He has a studio in his home, I know that. And he needs to become the president, the one that people will tune into, will listen to. He should do maybe even a daily conference or at least a press conference or at least every other day. Just be it. He needs to be president now because it won't take much for somebody. That people have been calling Cuomo, President Cuomo. Well, he's not running Mm -hmm. for president. So I don't know why, you know, really, frankly, both Bernie and Joe should have been doing this for at least a week or two weeks at this point or longer. I completely agree with you, Paul. And if Joe Biden's stuttering and his halting public presentation 
technique is causing his advisors to think that it's better not to have so much of him out there, then tell him to nominate his vice presidential candidate, to pick his vice presidential nominee today and then put her out there tomorrow so that she is the one who's taking the questions every day and dealing with the issues. He can put a panel together sure. and just kind of mimic what Trump is doing with a panel. Put of together a cabinet. Access. Put together a shadow yeah, exactly. cabinet. You know, exactly. here's Julian Castro. He's going to be our, our HHS secretary like he was last. I think he was last time. Maybe he was housing. Here's Elizabeth Warren. If she's not the VP, she's going to be our secretary of the Treasury. Here's just put together a damn cabinet right now, Joe. Come exactly. on, do it. Just start. Do it. Just be it. Do it and be it yeah. and get ahead of things. Paul, if you and I ran the Democratic Party, <laughs> it would be <laughs> we might actually win well, elections. Honestly, I wish somebody would step in. Thank you, Well, you know, it may be that uh, right now is a little premature, and uh, Paul, thank you for the call, because the Republicans will say, oh, they're just trying to politicize this. They're just trying to make political points and all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, they've already said that about Cuomo, but he's not running for president, so... But, you know, I would ignore the Republican complaints. You know, they've been whining about stuff ever since Obama wore a tan suit. Screw them. All right. Let's let's have some let's have some leadership on the Democratic side now. To the Tom Hartman program. Mark in Sauk City, Wisconsin. Yeah, I used to be a governmental auditor. And I know that every time that somebody didn't want to show you the information, you knew that something hinky was going on. In today's mm-hmm. environment, we can get that information immediately as far as where this money is dispersed. Steve Mnuchin is full of cattle dung if he, if he says, oh, we got to wait till January 1st. He just wants to hide it till after the election. Yeah, my opinion, too, you know, and he's not the only one saying that, although it hasn't been a definitive statement. But what we do know is that Trump just fired the inspector general. That is the internal oversight in these agencies. So it's pretty mind-boggling. Reach out to your friends, particularly if they live in red states, and make sure that not only are they registered to vote, but that they have signed up to get an absentee ballot, whatever it takes. We got to get ready for this election, and we need to do it now. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. So tag, you're it. Thanks so much for being with us today. Have a great afternoon. It's beautiful here in Portland. I'm looking forward to my walk this afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.